Well, good morning, church. I again want to welcome you here to Cross Point. My name is Kale Corright, spiritual formation minister here. That's Tim Hall, our preaching minister. And we're just so glad that you're here to worship with us today. Tim has invited me to be part of this preaching time today. I'm thankful for that. Um, as, as I said, it is a special Sunday. You saw the kids get just happen. Isn't that exciting to see all those kids come forward? They just, they just kept on coming. So it was, that was exciting. So... Uh, We are in the middle of this series called Love My Life This Morning, and we're talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. What are the aspects of our life that that makes up? And when we find that when we follow him, when we live as he called us to, that we truly do love our life. And so today we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 22. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn over there. But a couple weeks ago, Tim started this series by talking about crazy love, that Jesus was filled with this kind of love. It's the kind of love that you've been caught with. You are here in part today because you have experienced the love of Christ. And his challenge to us that week was that we would live with that kind of love. And Jesus challenges us to, that he says, they will know my followers by how they love one another. So we should be those kind of people, that the way we live is that we love one another. The world should know us by that kind of love. Last week we kind of built on that idea that now that that you are a follower of Christ, what does it look like to grow in our faith? And so we gave you some very practical ideas of how to grow in your faith. And maybe this week you put some of those things into your life, that you made time uh, to read your Bible every day. This is something that I, that I challenged myself to this past week. And I'm going through the Gospel of John. You're welcome to, to go along with me. But just a, just a chapter a day. What, what would your life look like if you spent some intentional time in God's Word, even just a chapter a day? I, I challenge you to find out. And what about we challenge you as married couples to maybe spend some time in prayer together every day. And I hope that you did that. I hope that you have already started that. Because we know that not only is your relationship with God going to deepen, but your relationship with one another also will deepen. And if you haven't done any of these things yet, that's okay. It's not too late. Start today. Let today be the place that you decide that I'm not going to live exactly how I have been. That a year from right now, I'm going to be a different person because I'm going to change my habits. So let your life change today. And we are going to build on that idea. What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? We know from the gospel accounts that Jesus was one who served others. And so today we're going to talk about what it means to serve. So if you have your Bible, again, Luke chapter 22, all the text will be on the screen. And we're going to start in verse 24. But what it says there is that an argument broke out among his Disciples. Now, these were the people that had been following Jesus for three years. They've been eating with him. They've been around the campfire together. They've heard everything that he had to say. They've saw, they saw the miracles. They saw the healings. And if anybody in the whole world would know what Jesus was like, you would think these 12 guys would know what Jesus was like. If anybody knew his character, knew what he was about, knew the kind of person that he was and who he called his followers to, you would think it was those 12 guys. But they get it wrong. The argument that breaks out is not one that you would think, because it says an argument broke out among them about who would be the greatest. This is what they're arguing over. So in verse 25, the story picks up and says this. Jesus told them, In this world the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like 
a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, for I am among you as one who serves. And that's exactly how Jesus lived his life. One of service. I mean, the last three years, all of his disciples, including those 12 in the upper room, watched him live out that mandate, that call to serve those around him. This is the the creator of all the universe, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, who's shown every day, day in, day out, to these 12 and others, what it means to have this servant leadership type of posture in life, to live in such a way that, that you want to be inclusive. Now, this story comes out of the moment they're in the upper room. This is the last meal that Jesus will have with his disciples before he is tried, flogged, and crucified. It's the last meal before his death. And so they're in this upper room, and although they've watched Jesus and his ministry unfold, they're still arguing over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And some scholars believe that in this upper room, that for whatever reason, the servant that had been hired to come and wash feet at the door didn't show up. We don't know why he wasn't there. But it seems clear from the reading that, uh, that in Luke that they're arguing over who's going to be the greatest. In other words, I'm not going to be the one to wash the feet. Don't, don't look at me to do that. And you can almost see them as they're around the table and they're arguing back and forth about who's the greatest in the kingdom. You know Peter's attitude and his personality. He's got to be the first one that pipes up and says, well, you know it's got to be me because after all, I walked on water. And his brother Andrew right after that says, we were all there and we saw you sink as well. You're not any better than us. Or James and John. Who said, clearly it's us, because do you know in the course of human history, how many kids are going to be named after us? James and John, such popular names among young male babies. And Thomas will follow that up with, I doubt that. (laughs) They're going back and forth about who's the greatest. And this is the backdrop that Jesus has to work with in that upper room. They still don't quite get it. What what does it mean to be greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus says the greatest is going to have to be a servant. The, The greatest person in the kingdom of God is going to be somebody who's willing to humbly serve those around them. To not seek the spotlight and to not be number one, not to sit on the left or the right of the king, but someone who's willing to serve in the moment. Our text in John chapter 13 kind of spells that out because as we watch in Jesus' ministry, he doesn't just talk about these things. He doesn't just teach and preach about what it means to be a servant of God. He actually lives that out in his life. It's something that's moved into action in his life. A couple of weeks ago, we introduced this story as we talked about crazy love. But this morning, I want to read just a few verses at the front end of John chapter 13. It says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. Verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table and took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. 
And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. You can almost see the picture in this upper room. The disciples are arguing about who's going to be the greatest. They're not paying attention, any attention to, to the rabbi from Nazareth. And suddenly they hear the water being poured into a basin. And in their own minds, they're thinking, oh, wow, finally, the servant is here. We don't have to worry about it anymore. We're going to get our feet washed. And they turn to, to see that it's actually the Son of God, the Anointed One, the Messiah, their leader, who's wrapped a towel around himself and he's got the basin and the water jug and he's pouring water and he's on his knees ready to wash their feet. He wants to give them an example of what it actually looks like to be someone who is in love with them and serving them in the same moment. And church, if we're going to be people who are absolutely ate up with Jesus Christ, if we're going to be people who are on fire for Jesus Christ, if we're going to be people who are in love with Jesus Christ, then it calls us to be servants in our life. It calls us to imitate Jesus Christ in every way, in every type of character and nature that he had in his own life. It calls us to really have this lifestyle of worship and service. And see, when we look at the example of Jesus, what we see is not someone who served occasionally here and there, but we see someone who embodied that life of a servant. It reminds me of a story. So a couple years ago, I decided uh, that I wanted to run a race. And I hadn't done much uh, official race running, but I had run a lot, you know, from the couch to the fridge and back. Of course. But, yeah. but running an official race was new to me. So, I, you know, I signed up and I found a plan and I started training and, and I got ready. And my goal for the day was just to finish the race. I didn't really have a time goal. I wasn't trying to beat anybody, but I just wanted to finish. And so I set out and sure enough, I finished the race. I felt very accomplished. And Afterwards, a few people would come up to me. They heard about the race or they saw a picture and they said, so you're a runner now. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. No, I am not a runner now. So you can run a race and not be a runner, just like you can serve one time and not be a servant. We're talking about this shift today of not just adding something to your calendar every once in a while, but how do we change to become a servant? See, it's rather, it's an, a talk about our identity rather than just doing an event every once in a while. It's this lifestyle that Tim talked about. I love this quote by Richard Foster who said, there's a difference between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant. When I choose to serve, I retain control about who I serve. But when I choose to be a servant, I've given up all rights and control. And that's our hope for you. You may be sitting there today thinking, well, you know, Tim and Kayla, they're talking about this because they just want us to sign up for some cross-point events. There's some opportunities to serve, and that's what they want us to sign up for. And, and there is some truth to that. We have needs here, not only inside of these walls, but also outside of these walls. There are needs in our community that we want to put before you, and we want to be the kind of people who serve. But our hope for you is much bigger than that. Like that quote said, we hope that you become a servant, giving up all rights and control, not serving on our agenda, but because there's a need to serve in front of us. See, it's kind of like that mentality we talked about last week, that box checking mentality of uh, I came and I did it and now I'm done. I served, now I can be done for a while. That's not the example of Jesus. The example of Jesus is that we are a servant all the time, not just um, every once in a while. 
So for instance, uh, we had the big event last weekend. And many of you, when we put that before you, came out and served with us. And there were many more of you who were serving in other locations. And I love being part of a church family that is so servant-minded and servant-hearted. That when we put this before you, you said yes and you showed up to serve. That event started that morning and it ended at lunchtime. And if you had a box-checking mentality, you could say, I've served. I've done my part for the week or for the month or maybe even for the year. I've done my part. But we're talking about this shift this morning from it's an attitude shift. It's a posture shift that we're not just looking down at, at our life, at our calendar, at our schedule and saying, you know, I've got time here. I'll put it on my calendar. But rather, we are wanting to live with our head up looking for opportunities to serve, knowing that this is who we're called to as our life, not just every once in a while. So for instance, maybe even this morning you saw people serve because here at Crosspoint there are a lot of needs every single Sunday morning. When you came in this morning, we hope that you were greeted not only at the door, but also you felt welcomed at our hospitality table. Both are teams that are here not for their own glory, but to help to serve this church family to help you feel welcomed. And maybe you stop by the hospitality every Sunday and you you partake in what I like to call second breakfast. And so uh, we all do it. It's okay. But, you know, there's a team that sets out every week to make sure that that gets done. Again, to serve you and I and make sure we have a welcoming atmosphere here. If you have kids, on a normal Sunday, you go back there to our kids' crossing area, and you see how many volunteers it takes to run that ministry. They have volunteers at the desk and greeting you. They have worship volunteers. They have teachers. They have teachers' helpers. It takes a lot of people to make sure that our kids are cared for, that their spiritual formation is fostered well. And we thank them for that because our kids are so important to us here at Cross Point. And so you see those volunteers. Even in this very room, every single Sunday, we have a whole team back here in the sound booth that makes sure the lights are on when they're supposed to be, that the slide gets on at the right time. They're not here, again, for their glory. They're here to serve you. So I'd ask you to do something this morning. When you see somebody serve, tell them thank you. Tell them thank you for coming here, um, not only for themselves, but also to serve others. Because that's really the goal is that we are all in this life, not for our own glory, but also to serve other people, to put them above ourselves. And so we give you opportunities here at Crosspoint because for some of us, that's where we're at. That's the point in life that we can. We can serve right here. And this is our training, so to speak. This is our testing ground. And we know that service here at Crosspoint can be a launching pad into an entire life of service. Yeah, when we adopt that type of lifestyle... When we wrap our arms around it and say, this is who we're going to be. We want to look like Jesus Christ each and every day. Then we know that our motives are pure. And when our motives are pure, then we know that our service is pleasing to God. It's not just a box-checking mentality. It's not a moment for us to be in the spotlight or to get noticed. But it's so that the story of Jesus Christ will be known to everybody that we come in touch with. That's the kind of life that we want to live, the one that Jesus Christ lived. Sometimes we have motives that... They really don't work out as well as maybe we'd hope they would. Uh, my uh, middle brother, I've got two younger brothers. The middle brother, his name is Witt. And many years ago, he was a car salesman in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. And there was a girl that lived on campus there that wanted to go out with him. And she would come to the car dealership a lot. Her motives were not exactly pure. She wanted to have a date with my brother Witt. Well, he was no, no, no. And then finally, she actually bought a car from him, hoping that that would get her a date, which never did work out. And so the consequences were dire for those, those motives that she had. But sometimes in our own life, church, it's that way too. 
we've got to have the kind of motive where we want God to be glorified in our life. It's not a moment for us to be in the spotlight. It's not to raise our own selves up, but it's so that the story of Jesus Christ will be known by everyone. Paul says when he writes to the church in Philippi, some really important words in that famous chapter two, and they're they're important for us today as well. He says in verse three, he reminds us, hey, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. And church, that's the kind of lifestyle that we need to embrace, where we're really uh, promoting other people, that we're putting other people's needs in front of our own, even. It's this idea that we want to love on people by serving people. Uh, That uh, popular author right now, Bob Goff, who wrote Everyone Always, and a couple of weeks ago I introduced that book. We sold out at our welcome desk. Kale got some more in, and so we've got more out there. If you're wanting one, only five bucks a book. It's a great read. But Bob says, our lives will never be about Jesus if we keep making everything about ourselves. And you look at social media, you look at uh, television, you look at the movies, and this culture that we live in is all about themselves. We don't want to look like our culture. We want to look like Jesus, right, church? And, and so we want to serve those around, love on those around us. And what we discover along the way is when we authentically love on people, when we authentically serve people, then we're pleasing to God and we feel fulfilled because we're accomplishing our purpose as disciples of Jesus Christ. We're called to love others. And Paul reminds us of that when he writes to the churches in the Galatia area. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, this uh, text was also in the video that you saw before we started this morning. But Paul says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. You see, church, why you serve is equally important as what you do to serve. It's so important that our heart is right, that we want to really let others know about Jesus Christ, how he's changed our life, and how we're so much better, that we love our life because of what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus has done so much for us, hasn't he, church? I mean, back in that second chapter of Philippians in verse 7, We're reminded of what Jesus did for us. It says, Jesus gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave. Some versions say servant. And he was born a human being. Jesus gave up everything for you and for me. He he didn't want the spotlight. He put other people in front of him in his ministry. And he's called us to that same type of leadership and service as well. That's, and that's why we serve. So not that, that we are glorified, but that he's glorified. We want to be filled with this joy, not because of something we're doing for ourselves, but because our purpose, we're designed to give him glory. And so, you know, we go back to the title of this series, Love My Life. And if I asked you to make a list of what would it take for you to love your life, service to others may not have made the list. But you've had experiences. You know the truth of when you do something, not for your own blessing, not for your own glory, but to bless someone else and for the glory of God, you have been filled with the joy that could not otherwise happen. This is the example of Jesus. This is why we follow in his footsteps. Jesus wants a good life for you. He wants a full life for you. In John chapter 10, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
And to have that kind of life means to follow in his footsteps, to do the things he did. And the truth of the matter is, church, is that he put others above himself. That he glorified his father, not for his own end, but for the glory of God. And so we want to do the same thing. We're driven not only because we're disciples of Christ, but because we know the joy that we will have in doing so. It's why you've heard stories, you've read stories of other people who have lived with this kind of service-mindedness, who have lived with this kind of discipleship that have led them to things that otherwise would not happen. So I think of even a story like Mother Teresa who, who moved to one of the poorest communities in Calcutta, India and to serve other people. Not just anybody. She moved there and opened a home for people who had diseases and were on their deathbeds. She moved across the world to care for those who were dying because of her discipleship, because she followed in the footsteps of Jesus, and that's what he called her to. And, it, and for her, the story even went further than that. When their center would get shoes shipped in, Mother Teresa always took the last pair of shoes available, putting everybody's needs ahead of her own. So much so that by the end of her life, her feet were deformed because she often wore shoes that did not fit her. She put others above herself. She was filled with this kind of discipleship and this kind of joy in following Jesus. And she knew something and she embodied something that Jesus embodied that for some of us in here today may only be an idea. We know that the rewards that God has set before us far outweigh anything that this life can bring us. And we want that idea to move from our head into our body, into action. That's our call for you this morning is that we want to live that kind of life out. Instead of like as the world lives, instead of as we may be living right now, we don't want to go for our own titles or trophies, but rather we follow in the steps of Jesus and we live as he calls us to live. You know, and even in Jesus' teaching and preaching as we continue to go back to, because that's our example, his own life. You read through the gospel accounts and you see over and over again how he lived that out in his life serving other people. And he calls those who would be his disciples in his day, but also to us this morning in the reading of Matthew 25. Over and over through that chapter, he talks about how we're called to serve and love on those around us. And it may be offering a cup of water. It could be offering a meal. It could be caring for those who are sick or maybe those that are in prison. It could be caring for the orphans or the widows in your community. There's lots of different ways that Jesus spells out in there that you could serve other people. But he he places this important idea, this fact, in that text. When he says this, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the one of least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And so church, we're reminded that when we have that posture, as Kale said a while ago, the heads up mentality every single day that we're looking for ways to serve and love on people in the, in the name of Jesus Christ, that when we do that and we outreach to others like that, that we're actually loving on Jesus as well. My guess would be that all of us are okay with serving Jesus, loving on Jesus. We have some questions maybe about people we run across from day to day, but Jesus reminds us in our life as disciples of Christ, we've given up control and we've given control to Jesus. And because of that, we live this life of love and service that calls us out to this lifestyle and change in direction. That's why as church leadership, it's why we are always putting opportunities in front of you. Again, not because we want you to just add an event here or there, but because we are called as a church, we are called as disciples to be outside of these four walls, to be outside of ourselves. 
And so we're going to continue to put things in front of you, church. When needs arise or when we see things coming along, we want to call you into this service because it's the call of Jesus. We know that when we serve others, we are serving him. And so we have local ministry partners, people and nonprofits that we partner with in order to serve better, to, to partner alongside them in ways that they're already serving. One of those ways we do often around here, church, is just the Grand Prairie School District. You serve with them pretty much year round. It starts at the front end when we raise school supplies for them. We give those to kids and teachers who have need. We feed two entire schools and all of their teachers and administrators right here in this room at the beginning of the year, just as a blessing and encouragement. Last year for Thanksgiving, this church raised money and package boxes and delivered to over 120 families. You gave Thanksgiving meals to a bunch of people this past year. And even just two weeks ago, over 100 kids ate in Grand Prairie that otherwise would not have because of this church. This is the kind of thing that we are that you are already involved in. We put before you because it is the call of Christ that when you see those who are hungry or have needs, we serve them because, in part, we're serving Christ as well. It's why we are partnering, again, with Pioneer Bible Translators that you heard about earlier. They're, this Discovery Week, they're going to have over 300 kids to care for. We want to be a part of that, of loving on them and caring for them. So you can go out to those tables right after the service, and there are lots of ways to serve. And as I said earlier, if you even have one hour, they can put you to work. June 2nd through the 6th, make a plan to be a part of that. Because not only are you serving them in the good cause that they are a part of here and around the world, but you are serving Christ when you help serve others. And so make a plan to be there. And if you say, well, you know, Monday's not good for me. Well, then I promise you they'll put you to work on Tuesday. And so make a plan to stop by there and see how you can be of service to them. We put some other tables out there this morning as well. Ways that you can serve here to be part of our audiovisual team, to make sure that things run smoothly here, to be part of our hospitality team, to create that welcoming atmosphere that we love every Sunday morning. Maybe it's to join our greeter team or to care for seniors in our senior care. There's lots of ways to serve here. And we put those in front of you, not again just for a one-time event, but because there are needs that arrive and we want to serve Christ as we serve other people. And so give an hour. Make it a plan to be a part of that. Because going back to Philippians, as, as Tim said, we want to live with this humility. We want to put other people above ourselves. And we know that when we live like that, we are following Jesus. There's more to life than ourselves. There's more to life than going for the things that that give us glory. We want to be about giving glory to God. And you can do this in small ways. This doesn't require anything huge of you, but it's just small shifts in your life that you can serve other people. And so ask yourself this question this morning. Do the people around me, when they see me, do they see a servant? Maybe the people in my own home, maybe my neighbors. Do your coworkers see you as someone who serves other people? Because those are the places that we start. Those are the places that we can really practice this every day. And so what would it take? What are the small ways that it would take? You know, I grew up on a street like any other, and our neighbors across the street, uh, his name was Dale, and he was a retired gentleman that I think he asked himself this question almost every day. How can I serve my neighbors? Because that's what he did. That's the life that I saw from him from across the street as a life of serving others. And it was small things. Like he would wake up early every morning and he would walk the street. And he would move the newspaper newspaper from the driveway or sometimes the street up to the front porch. It's just a small thing that showed his neighbors that he loved them. That he cared for them. 
And so when your neighbors opened the door, the paper was always right there because somebody else had gone out of their way to value them above himself. It's small ways like that that you and I can serve not only our neighbors, but our coworkers and our family. And some of us need to start in those places. And so ask yourself the question this morning, what are the small ways, the small things I can do on a daily basis that show the love of Christ in my life, that show others that I value them above myself? And that's our challenge to you this morning, church, is to live in such a way that when people see you, they can't help but see the nature of Christ coming out of you. Yeah, this, this idea about embracing the life that Jesus has called us to, it's all in his ministry. And, and there were people who claimed to follow God, who, who loved God, and yet they always were seeking the spotlight, always wanting the attention on them, and not willing to, to reach down and help others around them. They were called the, the Pharisees of Jesus' day or the, the, uh, the, the teachers of the law of Jesus' day. And in Matthew 23, he gives this scathing review uh, to those men who were really seeking their own honor and not humbly serving those around them. They weren't living in such a way as to give God truly the glory. They wanted to be on the corners, praying loudly for everyone to hear them in full regalia and the longest prayer shawls so that everyone would look at them and think, wow, they're really holy. And Jesus is calling them out on that. And in the middle of this scathing review in Matthew chapter 23, he says something to those that are listening to his teaching. And in doing so, he says it to us today as well. Jesus goes on to say, the greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so church, we're reminded through Jesus' life and his teaching that we're called to humble ourselves and serve those around us. And in fact, when we decide to do that, then we're actually serving Jesus himself. Kale's mentioned many ways that you can serve right here at Crosspoint and in our community. One of those ways to volunteer is coming up very soon, the very end of April and the first week of May. We're going to have uh, tables to volunteer in our kids' ministry right out here in our commons. Uh, it's called the Say Yes Campaign. And you'll be able to sign up to, to teach kids about how awesome Jesus is and how he can change their life. You could sign up to be a helper or a greeter to help with our VBS. There's lots of ways that you're going to be able to do that. But be in prayer about that one ministry and maybe a way that you can help and serve in that capacity the very end of April, the 1st of May. Our good friend, Bob Goff, who we love his work and his encouraging words along the way, probably says it best when he encapsulizes it in this particular quote. He says, planning to love people is different than just loving people. It's easier to make plans than to make time. If this is you, here's how to fix it. Make love your plan. And so church, that's the call that Jesus gives each and every one of us today is that we would live in such a way that we're going to lift his story up. We're going to lift him up. We're going to lift other people up. That's the call to discipleship. It's not an easy call because we have to fight against all the temptation that we have in life to make ourselves number one. But Jesus reminds us in his life, his ministry, and his teaching that if you're going to follow me, it requires a mind shift. It requires something different, a posture of servant leadership. And one of the privileges that we have and the positions that we have is that we get to see things and know things about many of you. 
And again, I want to say, church, this is a servant-minded and a servant-hearted church. And I see this over and over again every single week that I've been here. And it's humbling to know and to be part of such a church. So our encouragement for you today is to continue to lean into this calling. To continue to live with your head up looking for ways to serve others. Because as the quote that Tim just read, our plan is to love others. We're not setting a time on it. We're not setting a date on it. That is our all-the-time plan. This is who we are called to be. And so our hope for you today is that that's the mindset that we go about our life in. Looking for ways not only in our homes or our neighborhoods, but also uh, in our places of work. Everywhere we go, we want to live this kind of mindset. So as we close today, I'd ask you to stand with me. as We want to offer a prayer of encouragement. So let's stand, church. Father God, my prayer this morning for this church is that we would continue to be the kind of people that that you and your spirit embody. Father, we would ask that your Holy Spirit would indwell in us. And God, we give our hands over to you. Put our hands to work, God, and where they go, may it be your hands at work. May we serve others in a way that your son would serve others. Father, we give our feet over to you. Lead us to the places that are hurting, the places that you are. And we know that when we serve others, Father, we serve you. And so we give our entire lives over to you. We follow your son, Jesus, as his disciples to become servants, valuing others above ourselves. This is our prayer this morning. Let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. As always. This morning, church, our shepherds and their wives will be around the room. If you have things going on in your life, we would love to pray with you. This is a church family. You do not go it alone. And so won't you come while we stand and sing.